Hello, everyone. Welcome back to episode 14. I think it's 14. I think it's 15. Is it? No, 14. 14. I'm right. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being back here with us. Mm -hmm. We really appreciate it. We're excited for this episode. Uh, we're pretty excited for every episode because it feels like there's always something to talk about. Uh, Canadian real estate. Yeah. <laughs> something to there's say. always something. Canadians love their real estate. So yeah. anyways, let's just hop right into topic number one. So we're a little bit behind on, on this one, but inflation did fall. But there's some good metrics that I want to kind of go over. Mm -hmm. Get your insight on as well and see yeah. what you think about it. So headline inflation dropped like a stone in the month of May, now down to 3.4%. Mortgage interest costs surged 30% and remains the largest contributor to the year-over-year -year CPI incre increase. If you strip out self-inflicted mortgage interest cost and CPI sits at 2.5% in May, back within the Bank of Canada's control range of 1% to 3%. I posted that on Instagram and so many people were kind of, it's, it's a little bit of a messes with your mind a little bit. If you take out mortgage interest cost from from the overall inflation reading. Yeah, from CPI. them increasing rates, from the Bank of Canada increasing right. rates. Yeah. Then our inflation is back down to 2.5%. So yeah. they increased rates, which makes mortgage interest cost go up. Yeah. But if you take that out, we're at 2.5%. So doesn't that mess with your mind <laughs> a little bit? It's a little bit of an oxymoron in this yeah. sense, but also if we didn't raise rates right. and money was still cheap, I think inflation would be still above 5%. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it is still a little bit of a... Mm -hmm. it de mind. Definitely raising rates historically kills inflation. Yeah. Well, <laughs> remember we were said we were going to talk about the countries that keep money very cheap and don't have much inflation. Mm -hmm. We haven't gotten to that yet, but we're going to. <laughs> I've, been, going to. I've been trying to dive into it because I actually want to see the correlation. Yes, we've seen it come down as interest rates have gone up, but mm -hmm. I want to see if that is the absolute and only solution because yeah. that's that's Canada's solution, right? right. Uh-oh, inflation is high. Let's raise rates. Mm -hmm. But then there's these countries that didn't have to do that. Supposedly, again, the, this is something that I really want to dive further into. Um, and then they spend that time and money elsewhere on different solutions and, and kind of see how that economy is doing. Like, is yeah. this the only solution to get inflation back down? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Like, yes. Like, make money more expensive. Your inflation is going to come down. Mm -hmm. But I feel like Canada's focus is solely and utterly on the cost of money. Yeah, which they did a terrible job of during COVID, <laughs> giving everyone money, right? You know what? I actually wanted to talk a little bit about that because I, I have debates with my dad a lot, okay? Okay. So he has been conservative his entire life. Okay. Okay. And now with Pierre Polyev and Justin Trudeau being right. like the two people going back and forth, he listens to the debates. I listen to the debates. Um, he's now, he's not a supporter of Justin Trudeau, but he doesn't like the really so right wing um, type of conversation that Pierre brings up and like makes for a lot of hate and like, yeah, and like that kind of thing, mm -hmm. uh, which I, I agree with him on that. But he was saying, well, what, what could Justin Trudeau and okay, I want to back up here for a second. I'm not standing up for Justin Trudeau. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm about to get hate mail on the internet. <laughs> and that's not what I'm doing. But I yeah. do want to express the points that I heard that kind of made sense. Right. He said, what should he have done when uh, Canadians were desperate? A lot of people lost their job. Mm -hmm. If you give people um, a reason to be desperate, desperate things start happening. And then right. that's why you look at there's more crime in other countries because they allow their bottom social groups to be more desperate. Mm -hmm. Okay. What should he have done? And then he really related it back to the war. 
So as soon as Russia and Ukraine, the supply chain shut down. So Russia, we, we stopped buying their gas and oil. Mm-hmm. Um, so that created like surges in prices. The supply chain, like everything rose because of the war. Um, now there's still some countries like China and I think there was a couple others that buy Russian oil and gas and their yeah. inflation's low. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? What should he, what should he have done? Because it, yeah, it, it's a huge blanket statement. Like what, what, you know, was his back against the wall, but some things that we should have done was we shouldn't have been giving, um, all these kids checks. What? Okay. So what so should you have done? So if you, if you were like, there was university students, especially being from Oakville, yeah, they're living in these million dollar homes getting, getting 1500 bucks a month. Why would they go get a summer job? You're never going to, it's free money. Think about you coming home from university. What are you going to make 2,500 bucks a month? Maybe working a landscape job or the government's willing to give you $1,500 a month. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. But you can't get a summer job because everything was shut down. No, but landscaping you could still do. Like there was still options that you could go out and do, but why would you, like I had a, a friend of mine, his kids wouldn't work and he was so frustrated with it because Because as soon as, as soon as they went to work, they couldn't get the SERP check. So why would they go to work when they could sit at home and do nothing and still make 1500 bucks a month? So there's yeah. that. Okay. Prisoners were getting a SERB check. What? You were yes. in prison getting SERB check? Yes. No way. Yeah. And, and then you said, what could we have done? We could have produced our own oil and gas. I still believe that that is a huge resource that Canada is- Dropping the ball. Dropping on. the ball 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, what's that guy's name that is on Dragon's Den? I am forgetting it right now. Is it Kevin O'Leary? Kevin O'Leary. Yeah, I yeah. like Kevin O'Leary. I do too. Everyone thinks that he's like this- asshole and he's very smart yeah but he's smart you know it's like and there's other people that i follow that are just straight to the point and cutthroat and people don't like them because Mm -hmm. they don't like to see the truth in front of them so they immediately disregard them and say he's an asshole but some of the points he was saying about canada's reserves of our oil and gas and how we're completely not utilizing it is a huge mistake. Mm-hmm. And then he dove deeper into it. So I think if That's anyone's true. interested in, in that, Kevin O'Leary is actually. Yeah. And lithium too. Like lithium yeah. is, is made for electric cars, which a lot of people believe is the future. And Canada has lithium and we have it mined a single. When I last we looked into this, we haven't mined a single ounce of, of single lithium. Ounce. Yeah, nothing, so nothing has been mined. Justin Trudeau's reasoning behind that is because of environmental the, the environment. Yeah, but you're still in, but then to import oil and gas from a dictatorship country, how does that make it any better for the environment? Mm-hmm. I guess I know is the question. Well, we're not importing, importing from Russia anymore. And yeah, that's but isn't like Saudi Arabia we import from too, which is, they don't have great women's rights. They don't, they, no, they don't. You're right. So why not just produce it here, put paychecks here for Canadians, you know, have Alberta grow. Like Danielle Smith is like the premier out in Alberta and she fights a lot with Justin Trudeau saying, I will not back down from our oil and gas. We we have the cleanest oil and gas in the world. Eventually going to happen. Mm -hmm. So it's Justin Trudeau not allowing it because of the energy, the effects of the carbon, whatever Mm -hmm. it is that he says. Um, it's eventually going to happen. He's yeah. going to lose lose power and mm. everybody's, it's like this buildup of this yeah. is our solution. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, he has a reason for, for wanting to protect the environment. For sure. I, and I'm, there's so many people. I agree. Side, yeah, right? I agree. I agree. We have to obviously protect the environment, but it just like, it just feels like even like ESG, like this, mm. you know, you can, you can invest in ESG. Like even a company like Tesla isn't even on some of these like ESG top companies, but then there's oil companies that are on there. Yeah. So you have this, like literally the, the elect- Tesla, you know, if you hate Elon or not, it doesn't matter. Like Tesla's <laughs> changed the game for electric cars. It, has. it completely, no one believed in electric cars. 
Elon made it happen. Now there's tons of Teslas out there and not just Teslas. There's so many other cars too that Cortez are out there drives too. a Tesla. I do drive a Tesla, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not a Tesla fanboy. I was like, I feel, a Tesla fanboy. I feel like I was, no, I was forced to get a Tesla and because it was forced, tell us because story. during COVID I got in a, a car accident. Someone rear-ended me okay. and you know, during COVID trying to get a car was impossible. And what do you need when you're a realtor? You need a car. So the only car that I could get in three weeks was a Tesla. I would have thought that it was the opposite because mm-hmm. I actually wanted a Tesla before I got my gas guzzler. Yeah, <laughs> gas guzzler. <laughs> um, and it, it was the longest wait. Yeah. So it's interesting that it was flipped back then. And I yeah, guess, it was I guess flipped. Teslas are more uh, cooler these days. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go back to the inflation thing before we went on that tangent about, uh, but it was a good tangent. I liked it. I liked it. <laughs> okay, so. Let's go back to this here. So this is what I really wanted to highlight. So stress is building and only one third of mortgage holders have seen a monthly payment increase. That's because there's still a large chunk of borrowers with very low fixed rate mortgages. The clock is ticking though. Borrowers who enjoyed a record low mortgage rate in 2020 and 2021 are set to renew in the years ahead. In 2024, there's an estimated 331 billion of fixed rate mortgages coming for renewal and 352 billion in 2025. I'm talking billions of dollars are yeah. coming renewed. So you had a say you had a 1.5% interest rate. Okay. Let's, if let's you look in average, 20, let's hang on. You look, low. you look, you look, but I'm just saying they have to renew. So you look in 2024, what, what's the rates going to be if we're lucky? 5%? In so 2024? You, you have uh, to renew. We're almost in 2024. Yeah, I know. But we're, we're at we're, we're six months away. now. No, if you want to get a five-year fixed. Yeah. It's about 5.7 right now. Oh yeah. Okay. And that's okay, the, yeah. that's the, that's we're the cheapest rate yeah. you're going to get right now. Yeah. Okay. So 5%. If so let's say if you're spot. lucky. So that means that the big Canada rate has to come down for somebody to be able to get a 5% rate. Just mm-hmm. so everyone knows. Everyone's clear. So you have 331 billion mm-hmm. estimated coming due. We're at 1.5. Yeah. Now we're at five. That's a little scary. We should do the math on that. <laughs> Yeah. Like there is some good things. Like say you had, you had five years or, or three years of pay down. Yeah. So that, that could help. Hopefully you're, 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 you're anticipating this. So if you are one of those people listening to this podcast, please anticipate the sticker shock, call your mortgage broker and say, Hey, what would my payment look like? So I can prepare when I renew. You know what else I read is that a lot of people didn't know what a trigger rate was when they yes. signed their mortgage. That's very you know, true. Some people are so quick to get their mortgage. Um, and, and even me, when I bought my first house, it was 30 pages and I was just DocuSign, DocuSign, DocuSign. You know, you're so excited to buy that first house. You're buying the payment. This is my payment for mm-hmm. the next foreseeable future. I love my new house. I can't wait to furniture shop. But then in that fine print, what is a trigger rate? And let's explain that. What happens at renewal? We mm-hmm. should explain that. And there's all these other things that I think a lot of Canadians weren't prepared for. Yeah. Um, and, and now it's becoming a huge shock to the system yeah but then also people that didn't understand what it even was to people got educated quickly quickly. (laughs) yeah and so a trigger rate is essentially when the interest rates and when you're on a variable go up so quickly that you hit a point where you're no longer paying a single dollar toward principal it becomes 100 percent interest and so what happens then is that there's no other solution than for your mortgage to re-amortize so now if you signed a 25-year um, amortization on your mortgage and your payment has gone up because of the rates having gone up and you're only paying interest, well, it's not going to take 25 years to pay down anymore because you're not paying down any principal. Yeah. So it extends. And then on renewal, not only will you have to renew at a higher rate if you're on fixed, 
but you're going to have to bring that extended amortization back to a normal mm-hmm. schedule. Yeah. No, you explained it great. I've got two points here. Okay. So in this article here, it says, remember a whopping 57% of borrowers in January of 2022 went with a variable variable rate mortgage in Canada. 57%. 57% in 2022? 2022 when we had probably a, I think it was, what did we say last time? It was like 70 billion dollars of mortgages versus this year it's down oh, it's, um, mortgage origination last year was like eight times higher than it was this year so yeah. that's a lot of people on a variable rate and then but 2022 rates started going up as of may 2022 so may we saw it go back but this is in january so remember that a whopping 57 of bar- 57 percent of borrowers in january to mm, with a variable okay. mortgage. january yeah. Of 2022. yeah yeah so there's another one here my last point is ultimately prevented a wave of distressed sellers from hitting the market. And this is the growing amortization rate that people were allowed to take because banks are working with people. So this product was never designed to handle a rapidly rising interest rate environment. And uh, I'm told by Ron Butler, who's a big mortgage guy on Twitter, that this pro- product will be phased out later this year at the direction of Offsy. What product? The fixed variable rate mortgage. So oh, let me, the fixed payment. Do you want to explain that? Yeah. So there's... Obviously, What's the difference between the two? People know the variable rate um, changes up or down um, based on the Bank of Canada's overnight rate. Mm-hmm. And then a fixed rate is you're at a fixed rate. Now, a fixed variable rate is yep. essentially a fixed payment. So your rate can change based on the Bank of Canada's overnight rate, but you're going to pay the exact same payment. So if you lock into 1500 bucks a month, you're staying at that payment regardless of your rate changing yeah. and you're just going to owe more money mm-hmm. at the end essentially. So if your rate goes up, your payment doesn't go up, no. but it gets added to the, the mortgage. So you essentially end up paying interest on interest yeah. doing it that way. And, and like you said, that's when your trigger rate hits is when you have a fixed variable mortgage and say it's $2,000 a month, just to make this easy for people, $1,000 was going towards interest, $1,000 was going towards principal, but then the rate started going up, and then it was quickly 1200 to interest, yep. 800 to principal, and you guys get the picture, and then soon soon enough, it was 2000 and you're fully paying interest. The bank calls you and say, hey, you either need to put a lump sum down of money, or you need to increase your um, monthly payment. Yeah. So we hope we explain that okay for you guys, but yeah. yeah. There is a lot of different products out there because and brokers, I mean, it's our job to help with, you know, the house and the purchasing process and all that. But it also is our job to work with the brokers and make sure that these first time buyers uh, are educated enough and know what they're essentially getting into. And and I have these conversations a lot with my clients because it, it eventually my goal is to keep them safe and help them make the best decisions possible. So to see. And, and thankfully there hasn't been really a case with people that I've worked with that are in such a bad situation and bought at such a peak. Like my clients that bought at the peak, they came from relative situations. They sold very high and bought very high, right? Or um, we're, got the B lender and we were creative with, with that. And it, it's just, there's so many products out there. And my point to this is you need to be way more educated. Um, and this proved to people that, you should have been more educated getting in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this was a huge wake up call for Canadians because they're hearing a lot of people in trouble and some people that got through unscathed. Uh, I think it's going to help people moving forward, uh, really do their research a little bit more, take their time a little bit more. Um, just like historical little ups and downs, like it, it almost yeah. sets people up for uh, making better decisions and not so, not so quick. So 
yeah. if, if oh, there's yeah. a good thing that came from it. Well said. Yeah. That's, uh, that's it. That's it. Yeah. All right. Let's move on from that, uh, a topic, although, this, this although topic, I liked it. This topic yeah. scares people. It does scare people, but people someone's got people. People want to listen to it, but yeah. they're like, nah, don't tell me, but tell yeah. me. And don't tell like, me how much. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to know about my mortgage. <laughs> 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 yeah. Okay, this article I just found interesting because I just thought it like highlighted this, like basically the issue that Canada has of letting in immigrants, but also having a housing plan that doesn't make sense. So the headline of this article was she came to Canada for an education desperate for a place to live. She had to rent a room with no, no door. What? Yeah. No door. No door. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher her name and I'm sorry, but I'm going to try my best. Parol Yadev saw Canada as a pathway to her future. Uh, I believe she was from India. Yeah. The 23 year old who arrived in Toronto alone, but bright eyed in late 2021 had poured over post-secondary programs around the world from her home in India, carefully selecting public relations at Humber college, um, she came to Toronto. What she didn't expect was a housing crisis, one that would become an ever-present stressor as she began her studies. She struggled during the, few, f- f- the first few days in Mississauga Hotel to even book in a viewing without local references who would vouch for her. Even studio apartments were too expensive for her. Feeling desperate as the first day of classes approached, she signed on for several months of renting a den without a door in a shared apartment. A den? So she said, I know so many- What was her budget? Um, I don't even know. It didn't because say to here. be honest with you and not to sound, um, insensitive. Yeah. But if your budget is 500 bucks and you're coming to Toronto, one of the biggest cities in the entire world, mm-hmm. you can't really, yeah. you know, this story is, but even if, sad, even if your budget yeah. is 1500, it's still but challenging. If you're going to Toronto, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that. Yeah. 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 An apartment for 1500 bucks. Yeah. I get it a hundred percent, but, um, a full basement apartment. The question, the question is, uh, she knows so many miserable international students who are living in miserable, miserable conditions. Um, she, yeah, she knows two people who split a single bedroom. It's a problem she believes the country needs to reckon with, especially as it aims to boost immigration rates. If Canada's post-secondary schools are attracting promising young learners, especially to campuses in major cities such as Toronto that are facing rental crunches, how can officials ensure the kind of housing opportunities students need to thrive? And it's true. Like if you're a student, mm-hmm. you shouldn't have a budget of $2,000 a month. Like that's unreasonable. You're not making any money. And I understand like, okay, we're coming to Toronto, but even if you go out into other cities, mm-hmm. is it much cheaper? Like Halifax is still expensive, mm-hmm. I'm sure. So if you're trying, which Canada tries to do, so it tries to attract opinion, inter- international yeah. students. You shouldn't have a budget of 2000 if you're a student. No. no. But that's why you pair up with roommates because there's mm-hmm. a lot of basement apartments, a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, especially in Hamilton where I'm from, every single house has a basement apartment in Hamilton yeah. for 1500 bucks, 1600 at, at the high end. You room with people. I had a student house. I shared a house with six people because my budget wasn't near. near I bet you if you compared the price that you paid back then to today, it it's would be- different it would be very different because i know in london when i went there it was 800 for a room and the exact same place that i rented out was now 1800 for a room for yeah i shared i shared a condo with my buddy and we both paid 800 each and then they were paying 1800 each and they were paying 150 for parking and i paid 30 dollars for parking okay well that's a condo i don't think basement apartments have gone up that that much so when no I- i'm just saying if you're going to i guess the highlight of of this article is that if you're going to have international students come here you need a housing plan and we don't have a housing plan. So the housing shortage is not just affecting Canadians who are here now. 
it's also affecting international students who are basically sharing a room, like sharing the same bedroom is, is kind of the highlight of the article. Yeah. I mean, again, I am empathetic <laughs> towards the situation, but if you come here without a single plan, that's like I'm yeah. going to Mumbai, for example. I mm-hmm. heard it's more expensive than Toronto. For sure. I, I, it's yeah. going to happen in any major city. If you go to New York, it, it, London, UK, it's going to happen anywhere. Yeah, and you've yeah. got to be prepared as well. Yes, I mm-hmm. do believe that we are in a housing crisis, but it's got to something's got to give mm-hmm. too that for sure. you can make it work if you are willing to. I just think that no country immigrates as much as we immigrate and have a worse housing plan than we have right now. Mm-hmm. Like the dangers going forward mm-hmm. is scary. You know what? That brings me to this point. So basically, I wish I could know who, who said it. I was like, oh my God, that's so interesting. He, um, he was saying that people are, okay, essentially in Canada, Owning a house is going to be a commodity that only a certain few for the rich, for the rich. And then there's just going to be a difference. So it's Mm -hmm. no longer going to be, Oh, can I afford a house? It's just going to be too expensive that a normal salary or a normal person is just never going to own. So Mm -hmm. it's just going to be a commodity like other things that only rich people have and no longer something that you can aspire to. It's just going to be something only for the highest class of people. Mm -hmm which is such an interesting, I, I wish I could quote him word for word because he said it more in a way that makes you think like, wow, that if it trends this way, that's so interesting. Yeah. And um, you, you just got to think in 20 years from now, if we don't catch up, we need something like 450,000 houses per year just to catch up to the level of people we're bringing into Toronto. Oh, I think it's like even just in Ontario. Yeah, you, it, that's need, not Canada even, no. We need 1.6 million houses in like 10 years or something Yeah, like that. and yeah. so if we don't catch up and houses continue on the trajectory that they are, mm-hmm. there's going to be a huge discrepancy. Yeah, yeah, especially between, I don't want to say the rich and the poor, but maybe the upper, the upper class and the lower class. I was trying to say in, in, a, a, in, a, in a more socially acceptable way, but yeah, no, it's, it, that, that is a scary thing. And then it, it kind of like leads into my topic three. Do you want to read this one? What is it? Let's see. Let's see topic okay. three right there. <laughs> okay. What do we got here? Amidst the historic housing crisis, Canada's ability to build quickly is both the question and the answer. Pretty good headline. Just <laughs> First, on June 9th, the Bank of Canada raised its key lending rate to 4.75%, the highest level in 22 years. Seven days later, on June 16th, the country's population surpassed 40 million people, having grown by more than a million over the past year. While those data points may seem to have little to do with each other, they reflect opposing trends that are pulling the housing market in two separate directions. Elevated interest rates, the result of the Bank of Canada's fight against inflation, are putting a damper on home buying and home construction, while record high population growth, spurred by the federal government's increased immigration targets, is causing demand for housing to soar. The result is the bewildering housing market that we've seen in recent months. New and resale home sales have plunged, falling well below their long-term averages month after month. But prices have barely budged from the astronomical levels they rose to during the pandemic. Real estate agents in numerous markets report bidding wars and home selling well over asking, even as they lament the the much lower volume of sales seen over the past year. That's interesting. But beneath the confusing and contradictory data, there lies a serious problem. Canada is experiencing a historic housing shortage and amidst of this shortage new home construction is dropping huh 
Okay, lastly, CMHC, CMHC shows urban housing starts drop 24% from April to May on a seasonally adjusted basis. That's huge. Big time. If the current pace were to run all year, Canada would build a total of 183,000 urban housing units this year, down nearly a quarter from the approximately 240,000 urban housing units built last year. Huh. You did a great job. Oh, wow. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> that. So, okay. So 240,000 last year in 2022. Okay. And so we're down 60,000. <laughs> what are we doing? It just doesn't make sense. Why are we? Why are we immigrating so many people, but we we can't build homes? It's sad. The permit process. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's the permit process, let, and it's let also us do it. Let yeah. let people like me and you. <laughs> like I get. We it. don't have time for that, but yeah, like not but no. like me and you, but people yeah. like homeowners. Yeah. Let more of the population density help yeah yeah like incentivize 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 people to make basement suites like incentivize people to they're doing that in bc i like yeah. that. was it alberta i think it was bc, BC. Yeah, yeah i like that like incentivize people to so we can get more units okay. done here's something so contradictory so in bc they're incentivizing people to add basement suites right oh yeah but they want to cap it okay but still <laughs> Still, they're going to cap it, but still, it's still an incentive to add a basement yeah, suite. Yeah, yeah. Still an extra unit. Yeah, still yeah. an extra unit mm -hmm. on the market. Okay, good. But then in Ontario and then in Hamilton, they're making this law that you can't rent out a basement suite unless it's like up, uh, re gone through the rezoning process and all this. So they're essentially kicking people out. Mm. Uh, I have a client right now that's saying, Brooke, should we sell this house and buy in a different zone in Hamilton? Because right now they're not allowing a double unit rental because it's not zoned for multi-residential. It's near a university. They're trying to get away from these student houses. And yeah. I get it. Hamilton's trying to protect against so much people in one house. It is not safe when there's that many people cooped up in a basement. Sure. Yeah. But what's the alternative? Because now they're not allowed to rent top floor and bottom floor. Now they're only allowed to rent to one single family in the entire house. Now they're, Mortgage is negative now. Now, oh, people so just do it anyway. Thank you, Ontario. Yeah. Follow BC's <laughs> lead. Yeah, well, people even just do it. Even capped out there, it's a yeah. better solution than yeah. My what friend, we're doing. yeah, it's it's interesting. Like my friends, uh, you know, where I'm going to Kelowna tomorrow. She used to own. She like just sold it. She used to own this this house, and it was like in a it was in a million dollar area. And she said, um, and then I found out that she was renting her basement out. It's in this like beautiful subdivision, and where? everyone in Kelowna. Yeah, I can't remember where exactly, but everyone rents out their basement there, she said. It's just what they do. She said she's got a lady in there paying, I think she was paying $1,800 or $2,000 a month. She's like, I never hear from her, and she just lives in my basement. That's interesting. She's like, yeah, it's so normal where I'm from. So it is normal in mm -hmm. Hamilton. There is so many basement suites, but it's a. I said this in one of our first episodes. There's a pilot program in place to get mm -hmm. every house that isn't zoned for multi-res, which means... There can only be a single family, not two different families, yep. uh, even though the houses are insurable. So I have tenants upstairs and downstairs. It isn't zoned for uh, multi-res. It is zoned single family, but I'm insured. So if anything were to happen, you know, I'm protected, that the tenants are protected with their insurance. You know, it's not a crappy little basement. They have their multiple exits and windows, all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. But technically, as per the city's laws, I'm not allowed to do it. Mm. That's interesting because so it's like get get rid of those rules. Yeah, it's still insurable, mm. you know. So why are you why are you saying no when 
I guess like the solution is you slow down immigration or you speed up the housing building process. So like, which one do you want to do? Yeah. So like I said last time is Canada gave, um, or sorry, the government gave um, a lot of these immigrants that were coming from Colombia. And I only know these specifics because I was working with a few of them that were applying to leases on my, um, my units in Hamilton and they all had first and last paid for by the government. So bring the immigrants to Canada, give them first and last and say, be on your way. So that's essentially the extent of what, how we're helping. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll get your first and last, you get this whole dream. We have high, you know, highly ranked education, um, community and all this great. It's a safe country. Like, you know, and obviously it is. Canada's great. Don't get me wrong. I obviously know there's, there's 10 cities and there's been a lot of crime lately more than usual in Canada, but still. It's still relatively Yeah, safe. well, yeah. again, that leads me to desperate people do desperate things. So I mm-hmm. agree with Canada's government helping the lowest class of inc- um, earners. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd rather see healthcare be free. I'd rather see the bottom half or quarter of people get that social assistance um, than how the states does it with basically not helping them at all. You see way more people in jails. Mm. You see way more homelessness. Yes, there's more people there, but I think yeah. it comes back to desperate people do desperate things. So it's it a little bit of a yeah. balancing act. Your back's against the wall. What are you going to do? Yeah. yeah. But that's the extent of how the government is helping immigrants. They give you first and last. Maybe they kind of help yeah. set you up a little bit once you arrive here, but then you're on your own. And mm-hmm. unless you know what you're getting into, it is tough to immigrate to Canada. And, yeah. you know, we have listeners from not just Canada, like there's a ton of people in India that listen yeah. to our podcast. And so, yeah, you know yeah, what your, yeah. I know what your plan it's, is, what it's you land. Because even before we got into this, we, we were reading like a hateful comment someone said because yeah. we, were t- we were talking about immigration. But she was really mean. Yeah, you're yeah, mean yeah, you're listen. mean. But <laughs> it's also like we're, we're out here trying to shed light on, on the yeah. truth. So I, I don't think it, I don't think what we're doing is wrong because, you know, you and I didn't immigrate here. We were personally. called white privilege, yeah. which is a really kind of harsh term yeah. because that's not the case. No. We are essentially reading yeah. data and we don't have to talk about this talk yeah. about, and we are sharing our own experience because I work with a lot real of life experience. Real yeah. Life yeah. Experience. Yeah. yeah. Boots on the ground. <laughs> and I'm saying these things because not to be harsh, but I just want people to be prepared and I'd rather sound hard, but like yeah. at least it's getting to people and, and maybe that'll help some, somebody <laughs> the truth, somewhere. <laughs> the truth will set you free the as, as the saying goes, no right? Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, okay. Last one here. New Canadians account for over one third of new home buyers in Ontario. More than one third of Ontarians who plan to purchase a pre-construction or newly built home were born outside of Canada, according to Tarion's new home buyers report. Of the Ontario residents who intend to buy a new home within the next year, 35% were born in another country, while 4% were born in a different province. Regarding the former group, the majority were well-established in Canada with an average of 17 years since immigration. So David McDonald, Group Vice President of Financial Services, he's got a long title there. (laughs) Immigrations are driving a significant portions of real estate activity in Ontario across Canada. So yeah, it's interesting to see that. So new Canadians are over one third of new home buyers in Canada. So pre-construction projects seem to be being bought up by new Canadians. Interesting. Mm. I still think that new construction is way slower from historical times. Like I said, I used to be a pre-construction sales agent that yeah. got into real estate and projects used to sell out in a day. So yeah. the project would release and we would have so many worksheets that it was done. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Wait for the next one or wait for a release too. There's still projects that I see that are, have been advertised six months ago and there's still units left. It's, I think they're so expensive and it's obviously builders want to make the best amount of money they can on the best margins they can, but they're so expensive because it's so expensive to build. Yeah. True. Like it's so hard to build. Like even if you want like your backyard done, it is, it's like 250 K. Like I hear, <laughs> I hear these quotes and like, I'm yeah. like, Oh my God, yeah. like a quarter of a mil to get the backyard done, mm-hmm. which people were doing during, during COVID because they would just get a HELOC at 1% and just, Oh man. Yeah. Your yeah, pool the pool joke. Yeah. That was a good one. <laughs> your pool flushed you or something. Yeah. <laughs> Your new pool flush. Your new pool flush. So bad. So insensitive. It is. But uh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting to see that, you know, new Canadians are like really into into pre-con. And I wonder why. I wonder why. Well, the government makes over half or something. So the land, the permits, the um, like. 30%. The tax. Yeah, yeah. The inspections the everything the government is making way more than the developers are Mm. period yeah so now if you allow private developers to build and you don't tax them to the point where they cannot profit unless their price is at a certain level which then makes it unattainable for our canadians yeah (laughs) come on yeah so either build affordable housing yourselves instead of taxing the developers or don't tax the private developers as much and allow for this, you know, middle housing that we're missing. Cause right now all they can do is put up these skyscrapers, small units, because that's the only way that the developers are going to see that profit margin because anything bigger, they sell less units. It's less profit. The government takes most of it it doesn't work. Yeah. So that's the only way. So I don't blame the developers, right? They, they have to make have to their money. money. Yeah, they have to pay their people. So it's not them making these condos 300 square feet in Toronto. Yeah. If they weren't taxed as much, if the permit process wasn't so expensive and, and time, even the time value of money alone, mm-hmm. maybe we'd see that missing middle that we always talk about. So either, yeah. hello, Mr. Government, build your own then mm-hmm. because you're making all this money off of the developers anyways or don't tax as much. Yeah. Like it, I'm not that smart, and like I get. <laughs> I actually think you said that pretty well. I don't think I could uh, can't even add to that. You kind of took all my points from me, <laughs> which is great. He was mad so. that I didn't prepare beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> we're I not say it better myself. Uh, we're not going to get into that. All right. <laughs> well, so I don't know. I I feel like kind of what I see in the market right now, just to wrap things up, is it's it's slow. Like it's summer. Like people are having fun. They're on patios. They're going to Jay's games. Like I've got, you know, some spending, spending, spending. still spending, still spending. And then I think you got kind of real estate historically kind of takes a backseat in people's minds. There's still transactions going on. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, but with that recent rate hike and, you know, probably another one coming down the pipeline in, in mm-hmm. July here, um, I think we're going to see the market kind of slow down maybe until the fall, but right now it's, it's definitely, it's definitely slower. I don't I, think, I don't think there's as many showings. And, definitely uh, not. So Okay. And I'll talk about my market. So Halton and Hamilton, um, a lot of the middle prices. So when I say middle prices in this, these areas, I'm talking about 600 K to 800 K. Okay. Those are just dead. Okay. Anything below 600 seems to be moving. I think that's the more affordable. If you're the first time buyer, a lot of people are coming to Hamilton because that's where you can get the detached 
um, house for a, under a million, yeah. right? Uh, so those it's are funny still how we think bit. 500k is cheap now, but anyways, yeah, <laughs> if it's, it's true. Yeah. Um, and then I think over 800k you're coming from another house. Yeah. So you've got some equity built up. There yeah. You've got some equity. So your down payment's going to be higher, but that 600 to 800 during the pandemic, that was like the sweet spot for the first time buyers. That was like 20 right? offer, 20 plus 20 offers. offers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we can't afford that as a first time buyer, six to 800. So if you're a first time buyer, you're under 600. But then six to eight hundred isn't where you'd upgrade or really, you know, do that change. If you're already in the market, it's usually over eight hundred, and then mm -hmm. you, you know, move as your family grows, whatever the case may be. So I'm finding between that price point is really slow. Yeah. Uh, and then over eight hundred, yes, it still moves. I mean, real estate always happens. People move, people change jobs, things happen, but definitely way, way slower. Yeah. Um, rental, even my rentals. Are slow in Hamilton. So if anybody is looking for a rental that is listening to this, Brooke, I have brookhicks.ca. I have <laughs> dot com. Dot com, sorry. I have 35 units uh, for lease in Hamilton. Okay. And they are between 1600 1700 for a two bedroom, a lot of basement apartments. So, like, talk about like all these crazy prices. Come to Hamilton. Call Brooke. Call me. Yeah. Sure, I'm yeah. serious. I have a lot of inventory with, with right. rentals right now. And it, it, they were usually flying off the shelf. Yeah. So it is summer. Um, it's interesting that we say we're in this crazy housing crisis. Nobody knows where to live. Nobody can find anywhere to live. But it's like, hey, I got a freaking book of inventory yeah. right now. Cool. That's awesome. And you are, it's your birthday next week? It is my birthday next it's your week. Birthday? Okay, yeah. so we're going. Don't tell anybody how old I am. Yeah, I won't tell anyone. And we're also going another podcast next week too, aren't we? Next are Friday? We, are we? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. So we're going on that too. So we'll post lots more about lots that. More yeah. stuff coming up. Lots of stuff coming down the pipeline. So we're excited to share it with you guys. Yeah. If anybody wants anything specific talked about, I haven't heard anything. Mm -hmm. um, like we get our comments all the time yeah. uh, based on what we're talking about. But before, I think there was some people that had questions, like literally DM us. Yeah. <laughs> DM us. Like it's, yeah. Questions? It's the best way to do it. Like the comments just get, unfortunately, like we get so many notifications. I don't read the comments as yeah. much unless some of them go back and forth between our. our yeah. Group. But it is but really hard. Like, like you get so many followers. No, like, DM us. Yeah, we answer DM our us. DMs. Yeah. I, I actually take time. I go through the DMs. If yeah. you want us to talk about something and yeah. you think it's of value or important to you, we'll either answer your question there or we'll chat about it because I think yeah. everybody's voice should be heard in this for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Economy. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Okay. Cool okay. guys. Thanks so much for watching. If you're on YouTube, please like, and subscribe Spotify and Apple podcasts. Please leave us a review if you can. Um, and our short form is really what drives a lot of the podcasts and a lot of the views and our likes and stuff. So if you're on Instagram, you can follow us there and as well as TikTok, we would, uh, we'd love to see you guys there. So thanks so much. And we'll be back next week. Awesome. Thanks guys. See ya.